For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Believe. You know how that's spelled. B-L-E-A-V, Believe in Lions on the Believe Podcasting Network. That's Detroit's number one sports podcasting network. This is a show where we believe in the Detroit Lions, and by the end of this episode, so will you. I I say it almost every week. It's a special show. I'm excited about the show. I'm fired up about the show. But, I mean, all the above are true today because... I got a guest here on the show, a good guest, an amazing guest. I'm excited about this guest. His name is Jack Cavanaugh. He does work for Pro Football Focus. I mean, this guy's all over fantasy football. He's on different platforms. I'll let him plug his stuff and tell him all about it, but he's here on Believe in Lions, so they talk Lions, all types of other things we're going to get into. Jack, how you doing today? Thanks for coming on the show. Oh, you are just so kind. That intro just completely warms my heart. I am just so honored so excited to be a guest here today on Believe in Lions, and I, I'm already starting to believe. You know what? What can I say? So you can find me over at importantnonsense.com. I host a show called Jack Knows Best, which is a best ball show where I, I win every week. Jack Knows Best. It's in the title. <laughs> I also work for PFF and a lot of fun stuff, a lot of irons in the fire. So I'm, as always, though, just pumped to be talking about the Detroit Lions. Absolutely. That's what we do on the show. Jack, how is Believe spelled here on the show? B-L-E-A-V, of course. How else would <laughs> <Absolutely>. you spell it? <laughs> there, there's no doubt about it. And and like, I think we're going to get along great. I mean, pro football focus, we got that common. You love fantasy football. You already kind of talked a little smack about how great you are. I mean, I'm pretty sure I could take it to you in some best ball. We'll have to do that another day. But we're here to talk Lions today. And what we're going to get into is news and notes I want to talk about all these injuries, not only on the Detroit Lions, but across the NFL. We're going to get into Pittsburgh, but again, it's preseason game two. We'll talk about that. But Jack, we got roster decisions to make here on the show. I I trust Brad Holmes. I love Dan Campbell, but we got they got to make some cuts and so do we. So we're going to talk about some of those hard decisions today. I mean, are you ready to get into all this or what? Oh, I am more than ready. I, I was born ready, Derek. Let's frickin' go. <laughs> oh, man, I, I'm excited. But before we do, we got to get our great sponsors in here, and that's betonline.ag. I mean, a sponsor since day one, the OG. We're going to get them in. We thank them for sponsoring the show. Everybody take a quick listen to this sponsorship break, and we come back. Me and Jack are going to get after it talking Detroit Lions. Everybody, we'll be right back. If you are into sports betting, Bet Online is where you should go to win money today. Money, 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 money. 
whether it's live bets during games or futures for who you think will win championships. Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next big game, head over to betonline.ag and start playing today. That's BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, everybody, what's going on? Thank you so much. Please go over to betonline.ag. Put a couple ducats down. I mean, do what you do over there. But we're going to do what we do, and that's talk Lions football. So, Jack, I'm going to throw this to you. We we got news and notes. I mean, you got a couple things about the Detroit Lions that are on top of your brain, or you want me to throw things at you. Where do you want to go off the top here? Well, I want to start off with the fran- face of the franchise, DeAndre Swift. So Dan Campbell, he's apparently concerned about Swift being ready for week one. But then today he practices, he catches two TD passes from Jared Goff. So I don't know. He sounds pretty healthy to me. And at this point, it's just about stacking days. If we can stack another day tomorrow from DeAndre Swift, looking healthy, coming off that hip groin injury, I am fired up. Are there- the rest of the team, I don't know. So Tyrell Williams, he's out with a groin injury. He's still expected to be back for week one. And then Rashad Perriman is now his backup, I guess. It looks like he's lost that wide receiver one job. So lots of crazy stuff going on in Detroit right now. Great notes there off the top. I mean, talking about DeAndre Swift, I mean, I was on my other show, the Detroit Kool-Aid cast, talking about him, and I said, they are about to unleash DeAndre Swift on the 49ers. Everybody is all worried that he hasn't been at practice. Every time he goes out to practice, all he does is catch passes, cut people up, and score TDs, as you mentioned. So I'm really excited about this guy. I mean, he he didn't miss too much time. Uh, He had 10 touchdowns as a rookie. I think he's got all the skill set we look for so I'm glad you're excited about him I'm glad he's getting back in the swing of things but I'm not really worried he's high conditioned athlete premier talent and a guy that can catch run score TDs run you over if he has to I love everything about him um, you hit on the other good injury topics and whatnot like word is that Dan Campbell called up Frank Wright and said hey man I'm not playing in my guys just want to let you know and, and, and Frank Wright was like all right, cool. I won't play anybody either. So, you know, the indie game is going to be what it is. But I, I don't think anybody has any clue what to expect from these Lions when we really start rolling in, what, a week and a half, two weeks. What about you? No, I like you said, we really don't know what to expect. Like, it looks like we're going to have Tyrell Williams outside, out wide. Khalif Raymond is apparently going to be opposite of him on the other side. And then Amon Ross St. Brown in the slot. It's not the worst starting offense in the league when you look at pass catchers, especially because P.J. Hawkinson, absolute stud. He's apparently Jared Goff's go-to receiver. Back to DeAndre Swift, though. What's the difference between him and Alvin Kamara at this point? Like, is Jameis that much better than Jared Goff? I don't know. He's got a better offensive line in Detroit, possibly. I think the sky is the limit with DeAndre Hopkins, and I think the hate has gone too far on the Lions. I am excited about this offense. And no one seems to be except for you and me. Exactly, man. Swift it can be the Kamara of this offense. You did call him DeAndre Hopkins. I'll let that slide. You're new to the show. You're a guest. It's okay. You're fired up, which I like. You did say Khalif Raymond as the other starter. I mean, 
that kind of makes me go, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, I don't know about that. I mean, there's there's teams that have three, four receivers that are all in the Pro Bowl or are studs, and we're rolling out Khalif Raymond on the other side of Tyrell. I mean, it's got me a little bit worried. But here's the thing. Brad Holmes can find receivers whenever and wherever. He's not worried about that. He'll know we'll put that together at some point. So, yeah, I, I think – you know, Swift's going to be the man. I think Hawkinson, as you said, is going to be heavily targeted, and they'll figure out receivers as they go. So no big worries there. Now, let, let me ask you this about injuries. You know, again, I said everybody's overreacting to Swift. You got Tyrell with the growing. You got Sean Hayne. You got all these people that are kind of a little dinged up. You know, it seems like all these players, these are high-end conditioned athletes at the NFL level. And one week into training camp, they got up growing, they pulled their back, my elbow hurts. Like, it's 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 a little much, to be honest. Like, it just seems kind of crazy. I mean, I know this happens every year. But to me, it's more guys just trying to get out of practice, not wanting to be in preseason games, coaches wanting to be over careful with everybody. So this has been an absolute waste of a preseason, in my opinion. I feel like the Lions haven't showed any plays on the field. They haven't played any of their good players other than, what, one or two drives from Goff and company. Other than that, they have not shown anything. What's going on with these injuries as well as are you a proponent of hiding everything and not playing anybody? Or would you want to see a little bit more in the preseason? I could go either way with the preseason. I think it more depends on when you don't know what you have. So we know Jared Goff is the starter. There's no competition there. So why put him at risk? Whereas a team like the New Orleans Saints or the Denver Broncos, where they have a QB competition, I get where you have to see how that offense runs in full. So obviously as a fan, I'm disappointed. I want to see Jared Goff out there slinging it. But of course, I understand it, especially as a new head coach like Dan Campbell if all your guys go down in the preseason or a a majority of them, like happens to the chargers every year, it seems like that kind of puts you at risk for your job in the future. So I get it. I don't like it as a fan, but I understand it. And so I, I think it's just part of the game. We, these guys, uh, especially Michael Brockers, he's been in uh, one snap for uh, practice the last couple of days. He comes in, runs one snap and then he's out. It's just, that is when they're taking load management a little bit, uh, a little bit far. <laughs> exactly. And, and like I said, I'm always optimistic about the team. So I think, you know, as long as you put everybody in bubble wrap, you got them healthy and they come out ready to rock and roll week one. Great. There's something to be said about maybe them starting a bit slow or guys not being fully, you know, up to speed. You don't want to see any of those early injuries, but the preseason means nothing. Showing nothing is probably a good thing because, you know, they could definitely surprise the the Niners and company and kind of have a tough schedule. So uh, I, I do have a breaking news. Do you want to know what Dan Campbell's, <clears throat> excuse me, Ooh, I lost my voice. Do you want to know what Dan freaking Campbell's plan is for week one, uh, Jack? You want to know? What's his plan? Other, other than to drink way too much Starbucks. We're going to bite a kneecap off. We're going to smile at you. <laughs> we're going to take your other kneecap. We're going to smile at you. And when we do, we're going to take another hunk out of you. We're the, going to be the last one standing. All right. That's going to be the mentality. Jack, that's going to be the mentality. That plus the Starbucks equals W's, my friend. So I, I cannot wait to do it. Let's let's focus on Pittsburgh. So that, that was week two. You know, to me, a couple guys, you know, uh, on the back end of the roster may have showed out decent. Um, you got the quarterback battle. Things we'll get into a little bit later on the position stuff that we'll talk about. But a- any big, you know, broad type topics jump out to you in this football game? Like, what'd you take away from it? Well, so 
I've always been told you should frame things as a compliment sandwich when you have something not nice to say. So we'll start <laughs> with Jack Fox. Great name, even better leg. He might be the best punter in the NFL. So that's 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 the start. That's the high start. The right. middle, terrible, Jelani Tavai. Absolutely awful. It was painful to watch him at linebacker. He 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 just struggles and he can't re- he can't read in the run game. He can't read in the pass game. It, it, it's just really frustrating to watch. I, I, I don't see how you can keep him over some of these younger linebackers, but we'll see. And then to round things out with another compliment, AJ Parker is a star in the making as a slot corner. Like if the Lions end up putting Nikel Roby Coleman in, I, I think it's a mistake. Parker has shown out as a UDFA. So we don't know how high his ceiling can be. We know what Roby Coleman is, and he's an average slot corner. Go with the kid, let him take his lumps early, and let him build on that performance in the preseason. Let the team with eight tackles like, as a corner. <laughs> all right, so so I got three takes uh, on those three takes you just gave me. First of all, you started off talking about the punter. Now, I know this guy's kicking 70-yard bombs. I think he was the pro bowler last year. Everyone and their brother loves Jack Fox. I mean, you like him because of his first name. We get it. But, like, to me, he's a good player. He's a good weapon. He's a punter, bro. Like, to me, we can't start off with that as our big hang our hat on the punter, no matter how good he is. That's first and foremost. Secondly, I have exclusive audio of Jelani Tavai playing defense. You want to hear this? I don't know if I do. They might bring back painful, painful memories. But, uh, <laughs> this this is exclusive here on the show on Believe in Lions, and this is Johnny Tavai in pass coverage. This dude, as I said on Twitter, is an elephant on roller skates. He's slow. I don't care how much Weight Watchers or carb counting he's been doing. As as my guy Matt Derry on Lockdown Lions says, he's not good at football. <laughs> I don't have anything against him personally, but he can't play the game. And as I normally say here on the show... He should probably get his resume polished up for the bowling alley. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he can work down at the car wash. Something will work out for this guy, but it's not playing linebacker for the Detroit Lions. And your third take on uh, A.J. Parker, everybody's flavor of the week. Okay, like I don't mind the kid. But again, I'm not hanging my hat on A.J. Parker and his eight tackles in the fourth quarter uh, late in the game or whatever it was like. If he's a nice depth he piece, started. Great. He was against the first team defense. He's making plays oh. all over the place. Oh, come on. People are putting him as the starting nickel. You know what I want to see? I want to see Mr. Okuda. I want to see A.O. play well this year. Oh, baby. And I want to see Corn Elder get in the slot or do something because he's been out completely. But, I mean, he's one of Benny, ba- Benny Blades' favorites. Because he's from the U. So, A.J. Parker, man, I hope you, like, are the fourth corner. You're the second guy in on nickel. Or maybe you start early because we got nobody else. But, but Jack, I mean, I can't have Jack Fox and A.J. Parker as our big talking points. we got to get the big dogs, like you said. Where, where's Brockers, Liam McNeil, Levi, Big Denim? we got to get on offense with T.J. Hawkinson. We got to get Tyrell out there. We got to get Goff playing well. I mean, that's how we're going to win football games. Oh, don't worry. I was saving the best for last, of course. We were building something big, and that's because okay. 
the decisions on this D line, I don't know how they're going to make it. Bruce Hector and Kevin strong. They're putting this lion's coaching staff in a tough spot. Like obviously Michael Brockers, Nick Williams, apparently they're starting at base ends and they'll be inside a lot on passing downs to Sean hand. He might put push Nick Williams out of that starting role. He's a talented guy as well. Battling the injuries. We'll see. But then, at the same time, the Lions probably kind of want Levi on Wuzurike, who's looked great as well, to win that starting job. So that's four potential starters on the D-line. Then you've got these impact players like Hector and Kevin Strong. Just, I don't know how they're going to make these decisions because you've got Aleem McNeil, the tw- twinkle tw- toes, the dancing bear <laughs> in the middle at nose. Do you keep one of these true nose tackles like John Penasini or PJ Johnson behind them? Or do you go with these playmaking kids and just hope for the best and just have that one nose tackle go with the versatility? So I don't know what the right answer is, but I am excited that the Lions are finally building through the trenches. Oh, my goodness, Jack. I mean, you said off the top, you obviously are, are, are working on some different platforms. You you got a lot going. You love the game of football. I mean, that those opinions right there, I mean, got me fired up. Oh, woo! <laughs> and, and, and here's why. I mean, you hit on a lot of great names there. And a lot of people are sleeping on the defensive line for the Detroit Lions. Because why? Because we haven't got after a passer. And I can't even tell you how long. It's been like two and a half, three years, however long it's been since we actually uh, crushed a quarterback. Or I don't know, maybe got an interception, which we still haven't got this preseason. But but here's the thing. You mentioned some good names. I, I don't know that you mentioned uh, uh, Bryant. Deshaun Hand, uh, like you say, we haven't seen anything with Michael Brockers. We've got a guy, I don't know if you've heard of him, he makes $18 million. His name is Trey Flowers, a guy that we paid big money to. His name is Romeo with his brother Julian. I mean, these are all guys that are becoming after quarterbacks. So what are we at? We're at about eight, ten names, like you said, where there's going to be guys that are going to get cut that have been decent because... We actually got bodies up front, and I think that's going to be really fun to watch. So I'm glad you brought that up. And like I said, there's probably a, you know at least a few of those names that you didn't get to in your, your good rant, good uh, positive opinion you had there. And I think those are going to be some of the most premier guys we have. So as long as the coaches cut them loose, I mean, look out. We might actually be able to disrupt the passer for once. Oh, absolutely. Like You can't forget about the edge players. Don't worry. I was just saving that for you. I'm just talking about pure from an inside. Like, ah, we interior. Had, the Lions haven't you. had an interior player like other than Damon Harrison in the last while. Now we finally have a bunch of them, and it's just good to see they can push the pocket up the middle. And then, like you said, the Aquara brothers, Trey Flowers on the outside. It is a versatile, strong defensive line. You Building through the trenches is the way to go with this new Lions offense, right? new Lions regime, sorry. Exactly, good stuff. And like I said, I, I missed it. They were just focused on the interior. If we're just going across the line, we got the guys you mentioned and the guys I mentioned, I mean, much better than in the past, as well as, like, uh, you know, we'll get to these roster decisions. But, I mean, I was having the argument with my guy, Joey, from the Believe Podcasting Network about Penny Sewell versus, uh, you know, the whole Justin Fields debate recently. He's a Chicago guy. Of course, he's got a shrine, loves Justin Fields. It's like... Everyone is going to over-nitpick Penny Sewell, but him, Decker, Ragnow, and Jonah Jackson, and whoever they play as the uh, garbage can over there at the right guard, to me, it's like we haven't seen that type of O-line and that type of youth and that type of talent since I've been a Lions fan on the O-line. I'll tell you that right now. No, it's been a long time since they've had that kind of upside. And then even, like, 
the depth guys, Logan Stenberg competing with big V at right guard. It could be a lot worse, especially when you have four strong starters, when you have even, even if you get average play from that guy at the right, right guard spot, it's going to be a very strong offensive line. And when was Jared Goff his best? Oh yeah. When the Rams actually invested in the offensive line, which they haven't done in a while. So Jared Goff finally gets protection. Maybe we start seeing him sling it downfield bombs to Tyrell Williams with Penny Sewell for in protection. It's, the making of something good i am very excited exactly and once penny sewell gets his feet under him on the right side like he'll not only be able to pass protect better but i mean wait till they get him out on screens with with 32 behind him with the shiftiness he's got wait 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 till penny sewell starts firing off the football mashing people on the right side and and uh creating actual run lanes like i'm that's the kind of stuff too I think we haven't seen. I mean, yeah, he's been out there. Yeah, he got worked a couple times. I mean, the guy hadn't played football in a year and a half. He's so a to kid. me, well, exactly. He's a kid playing up against Melvin Ingram, a whole <laughs> exactly. pass rusher. Like, I'm, and you know what the best thing is though? He didn't get beat the same way twice. Yeah, he got beat, but Melvin Ingram had to adjust when he went back to that same move. Penny Sewell stonewalled him, and no one wants to talk about that. That the kid's learning. Exactly. Dan freaking Campbell said, yeah, he might get beat, but he's not going to get beat twice the same way. He learns, he picks it up. That's all you can ask for. I told uh, on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast, I was like, Penny Sewell could be here for six years and and, and be, uh, you know, work his way to being a Pro Bowl type player. And the dude's like 25 at that point. Like, I mean, he's going to, he's just could be here for a long time. I mean, you could play O-line for a long time. He's got all the skills. Just give this dude some time. I mean, I think that was the proper pick, to be honest. I was jumping out of my chair that we got him at number seven. I mean, probably a top four talent, wouldn't you say? Oh, don't get me wrong. Like I am a massive Justin Fields fan, but when you're building a team the way the Lions have to build up this roster, it doesn't make sense to draft a Justin Fields when you can actually draft a player that's going to be a franchise cornerstone. He's going right. to protect that eventual quarterback that you, you pick up. And maybe Goff is it. Maybe he's not. But you have the chance to build something around whatever that quarterback ends up being. So why not do that? Why not get the roster right? build it through the trenches. Like we keep saying, like Dan Campbell keeps doing in practice, that's the way to do it. And then Penny Sewell, you get a generational left tackle or left tackle talent, move him to the right side. Of course, it takes a little bit of time for him to adjust, but they don't make human beings that can move like him. So if he was your top non-quarterback, you were correct. He should have been the first non-quarterback taken in my opinion. Exactly. And gosh, I'm just, I cannot wait till he really gets rolling. And, you know, uh, the Lions now have three bites at the apple, basically a quarterback. You got Jared Goff. Now you see what he's got. You got two first rounders in your back pocket. You also got Penny Sewell down on your team. You filled some other holes. So next year you go into the draft like BPA or just adding talent. If nobody's no QB is there and Jared Goff plays anywhere decent to above average, you roll him again. And then in, in the third year, when I don't know, you got two more first rounders, you look at the quarterback position again, if you want to go at it at that point. So it's the long game. It's the right play in my opinion. And uh, I am uh, absolutely excited about it on so many levels. So Jack, like, I mean, gosh, this has been a pleasure having you on the show, talking football. We got so much more to get into. I I need a breath. I got to tell you. So I I think we almost, we were talking to fantasy football before we got recording here. I think we get another sponsor, Reality Sports Online in here, and then come back and talk about these roster moves. Does that sound like a plan to you? 
oh yeah, you cannot forget the people at Reality Sports Online. They're just, they're too good. We cannot neglect them any further. So let's take a break, get a glass of water and listen to some great people. Exactly. I recommend Detroit Kool-Aid. Um, everybody, um, we'll take a quick pause and we come back. I mean, me and Jack are talking about QB2, linebacker rotation, running backs, and we might get into the, who's the third, four tight end, all types of other things. We're going to actually make some cuts and, uh, and shake out this roster when we get back. Everybody, we'll be right back. All right, everybody. This goes out to my fantasy football fans out there. Now, you probably heard about Reality Sports Online, the most powerful fantasy sports platform where owners can build and manage their fantasy team like a real NFL general manager. But the question is, have you tried it? I mean, we're talking free agency, multi-year contracts, rookie drafts, multi-team trades. You can put franchise tags on guys. Uh, It's as close as you're going to get to being an NFL GM. But do you think it sounds complicated? It's not. I'm here to tell you it's the best thing about Reality Sports Online is it's just more fun than your normal fantasy league, but it doesn't take barely any more time. After all this, are you still not sure? I mean, come on now. You can test your general manager skills by going over to Reality Sports Online, call it RSO. Please go check out realitysportsonline.com right now. All right, everybody, we are back. I say this like every week, but I I just absolutely mean it. Cannot thank the listeners of Believe in Lions enough. Love being on this platform. We B-L-E-A-V in the Lions and I can tell by those first couple segments that uh, Jack believes in the Lions as well, and he's got strong opinions. He's got good in it. I, I'm loving the show so far, but, I mean, this is the tough time, Jack. This is where we have to look at this roster, and we might have to make some tough decisions. I mean, are you up for this? Oh, I am absolutely up for this. It, there's a lot of talented players. There's going to be a lot of players that don't deserve to be cut, but unfortunately, we, we have to do our jobs. We, I'm ready we, to we, do my job. We, we've got to do it. I'm going to put you in the hot seat. I want to see what type of decisions you're going to make. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. Hit that subscribe button. Share this with a friend. You never know what we might bring to you here on Believe in Lions. Really fun having Jack here on the show. And uh, let's just get into this first one right now. I mean, I guess I want to know what you're doing at the backup quarterback position. Now, some people say, you know, who cares? Not a big deal. If he plays, our season's over. Other people think, man, the backup quarterback's one of the really most important positions on the field of having a quality person back there. Right now, we got Blau and we got Boyle. Like, you keeping all three, you letting the guy loose. What are you doing there? So my opinion on this is they're probably going to have to keep three quarterbacks because of all the issues with COVID and people being kept out of games and such. But when it comes down to it, I think it's David Blau. I think he's earned that job. He did well enough last year as a UDFA out of Purdue. And now he keeps stacking those games. He played pretty well against Steelers. Not something you can say about Tim Boyle. He's been pretty disappointing so far throughout this this camp this preseason so I think you have to go with the guy you know you have to go with the guy that played last year for you different coaching staff different regime doesn't matter I think it's David Blau and I think that unfortunately Tim Boyle 
QB three probably still makes the roster. So don't worry. He's, he's still got a job in, in, in my eyes. All right. Well, I have to differ with you there. I've always been like, you only keep two QBs, especially the way the rules are now. You can kind of like tuck one away and, and have one in waiting if needed. Not like before, where if you didn't keep three, you were in trouble if one guy got hurt. So I've always been in keep two. I mean, I've said on previous shows where I was like done with David Blau and then he came and he had that great story with his wife at the hurdler and he's come out and he's made some throws and been decent. I, I did think I put on Twitter at Derek Okri last year that if you put his face next to Count Chocula, uh, they look very oddly similar <laughs> with his crazy eyebrows and the way his face is. So go ahead and do that, Jack, if you want your time, put those side by side. I think you'll get a good laugh out of it, but I don't know. I mean, I guess he's my guy as QB2. I mean, I like him as a human being, even though I just goofed on him and he seems to be a hard worker and a quality human. But I just didn't like when he actually got out on the football field other than that big bomb he threw to Kenny Galladay on Thanksgiving or whatever. After that, it was pretty hard to watch. So, I mean, if, you, if you're going to make me do it, I got to keep Blau. And I don't know. I've just seen enough of Tim Boyle. Everyone talked him up, said he was going to be great. I, mean, I haven't seen much from him. So that's what I'm doing. That, that's the thing is Boyle has not earned it. And Blau hasn't blown you away, but he's done enough to keep it. Right. Yep. He can hold the clipboard for me and hope that Jared Goff doesn't get hurt. That's where I'm at with it. Let's let's talk about LBs, man. Uh, LB rotation. I've got a few notes here on on some takes. What are you thinking about how they might use certain players? Who who do you like in that group? Or can they get by with who they have? What do you think? I think they can get by with what they have, especially with how good Derek Barnes has looked as of late. So I think that the starting base three, Alex Anzalone, he's going to be the one wearing the green dot. He came over with Aaron Glenn from the Saints. So he trusts him. He's going to be on the field and base. He can play when they go into a dime or a nickel package. He's good enough in coverage. And I think that's a really good thing because now Jamie Collins, he's only a starter in base. Maybe have him in a little bit at nickel. Derek Barnes and him can rotate. The thing with Barnes is he's going to be rushing off the edge as well. So it's exciting to finally have, I wouldn't say three great starters because I know how we feel on this podcast about Jamie Collins, but it's more exciting than it was last year. And then behind them, I think Jalen Reeves Maben is probably the next man up. He really hasn't done enough to keep the job at this point, but he is the veteran. So I wouldn't be surprised if they go with him, but it's going to be tough because Anthony Pittman played 16 special team snaps last preseason game against the Steelers. That's really important. Guys who can make plays on special teams is something that you need to have. Same with Tavante Beckett. Young, athletic, it does sound like he'll probably be snuck through waivers, but, and I think Anthony Pittman ends up making the team instead. And this all being said, we've already, as you've probably noticed, I mentioned five linebackers that they're probably going to keep, and Jelani Tavai, not one of them. <laughs> Absolutely, man. So, so have you heard previous shows where I have just ragged on the guy named Jamie Collins? You're aware of this? Yes. Oh, I am very much aware. And I, I, I get it. As long as we understand that Collins is as not good as he is, he's still better than Tavai. As long as we agree there. 
Oh, exactly. And like I get a lot of heat on Twitter, which, like I said, I always say uh, people say Twitter's so negative and they hate it. I have so much fun talking sports to everybody out there and I get all these positive things back. But people do like to rag on me and try to tell me how good Jamie Collins is and how I don't get it and how he's an athlete and this and that. And like, I mean, I, I think I have a drop here for his for his effort overall last year. That's pitiful. I mean, it's absolutely pitiful to, to perform like that. Pitiful. It sucked. Stunk. <laughs> Thank you, Jim Moore. That's what I thought about Jamie Collins. I said, okay, he made a couple plays. He headbutted a ref. I mean, this guy, he does just enough to stay on the roster and not enough to make $10 plus million. I don't care if he can jump over, uh, you know, 18 box sets in the weight room or whatever he does. Like, he just... He can't cover when people cross his face. He's hit or miss on tackling. And like you said, I'm going to live with him because he's paid and because we don't have anybody better at this point. But <clears throat> Derek Barnes is is my guy. And I've readily admitted that he wasn't highlighted and circled on my enormous draft board in the Oak Ree, uh, DTO scouting office. But the minute they took this kid, all I had to do was watch his first interview with the media. And I was like, this is a future captain of the Lions. This guy gets it. He's incredible from a leadership perspective. And then when I saw him in the uniform recently, gosh, he's, he's yoked up. He's a big old linebacker. But when he fires and runs, I mean, it, <laughs> we're, we're goofing on Johnny Tavai. You want to know why? because he looks like he's in quicksand with lead shoes and in slow motion when when you see Derek Barnes go. I mean, he can run, he can hit, he can diagnose. I mean, imagine that, being able to hit the right gap and go find the football, something that Tavai, Davis, you know, Christian Jones all showed they couldn't do as much as I tried to stay in there for him. So I think you hit on all the other guys. I mean, Anzalone to me, uh, I don't know if you mentioned him a ton. To me, he's that vet that can kind of just settle in and maybe give us better just overall play. He's not the athlete of Collins. He's probably not the player of Derek Barnes, but he can read his keys and do what he needs to. And then, like I said, if Pittman comes along, if Beckett comes along and makes the bottom of that roster, that will probably be more entertaining to watch than what we've seen. Jalen Reeves Mabin, I was a fan of him in the draft. He's obviously got hit by injuries as well as they just haven't let him play enough defense. When they let this guy get out there, I think he's a decent football player at times. Yes, he's got sliced up in coverage here in the preseason, but he can run and hit people. So just don't have him cover silky tight ends or running backs and you'll be a little bit better but let him run and hit and show his athleticism like he did at Tennessee so that's kind of where I'm at with the linebackers but everyone's excited about Barnes and want to see him get more reps because he looks the part he makes plays in both these games and he's a hell of a guy off the field RBs and we're talking about four five like I mean the notes I have here is like I think I was on a previous Believe in Lions and I was like his name is Reynolds, everybody. Like, okay, he had a touchdown, he had some yards. His name is what? Nick Reynolds? Ren- I don't even know. But Reynolds is his last name. And, like, I was like, he's just going to be off this roster in a few weeks. And then he came out in Pittsburgh, and I liked what I saw again. So I'm kind of like, I don't know. Maybe he is a bottom of the uh, running back depth chart guy. But, I mean, I do like um, the kid out of Nebraska as well. And I was kind of bummed they cut the guy that, uh, gosh, his name's escaping me right now. But the, the guy they brought on his undrafted guy and cut him right away I thought he had some talent when I brought him up on tape as well so you know to me it might be Reynolds or uh, or the kid from Nebraska there at the bottom of the running back chart 
Yeah, so we obviously have the three locks. Mills. Swift, Jay Swaggy, and Jermar Jefferson. And we, we haven't even mentioned him. He looked, He only had three carries. Averaged like seven yards a carry against the Steelers. That kid looks special. Nice. Anyway, back, back to the real conversation, the running back four or five. I do think it's Craig Reynolds. He's impressed in every facet. He's pretty good at pass blocking, too. It's He looks like an NFL player, even though he met his teammates in the huddle. And then... After that, the number five battle, I think it's Diedrich Mills, the boy from Nebraska, and then Godwin Equibuke. I I think he's going to make it on the practice squad. You don't make a guy switch positions at the NFL. Godwin moved from safety to running back. You don't ask a guy to do that if you don't see something special in him. So he's probably not going to make the team, doesn't have enough experience there, but fun practice squad stash. And then it kind of comes down to Craig Reynolds, Diedrich Mills, and I go with Craig Reynolds in that scenario. Also, Man. Jason Cabinda, the fullback. We have to remember him as well. Absolutely. Man, uh, Jack, right off the bat, he's, he's showing off here on the show. He's pr- pronouncing that uh, the safety turn running back's name. I mean, what's the next thing? Are you going to pronounce Ao's last name or something? Amani Oruwarie? Yes, I will. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Unbelievable. This guy. Um, yeah. Like you say, Mills is a kid I was thinking about out of Nebraska and I, I called him Nick Reynolds. Cause that's one of my buddies shout out Nick Reynolds. I think down in the ATL now doing great things in the church and a real fun dude selling sneaks too, doing like some real crazy, that shoe art type stuff. Nick Reynolds, I believe, but uh, Craig, Craig Reynolds, as you said, honestly, uh, we'll, maybe Craig Reynolds was doing that last week too. Who knows? <laughs> Exactly. Might have been Reynolds and Reynolds down there. I have to check on that. But Craig Reynolds is uh, doing some things. He, he caught my eye the second game, I must say. But I like your take, too, on Jefferson because you know who loves Jamar Jefferson, Jack? You want to know? Hopefully everyone. But uh, who specifically? <laughs> Brad Holmes. Did you see the video where, like, Dan Campbell was sitting there around seven? Like, hey, Brad, who are you thinking here? And Brad Holmes is like, man, I'm taking a kid from Oregon State. Man, what are you thinking? <laughs> he loves him some Jamar Jefferson. He he had that pick ready to go. Well, the kid had over a thousand yards as a true freshman. And yeah, he went he went to Oregon State, but it, 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 he still had over a thousand yards as a true freshman. Like that, that's ridiculous. Exactly. I had him circled as like a a four five type round guy. It goes to seven. It is kind of a no brainer. And then the reason I loved it so much is because I am on record, I think two, maybe even three years ago, of falling in love with Kerryon Johnson early when he played Miami and that game he had against the New England Patriots, where we actually ran for a hundred yards. But then I soured on Kerryon Johnson, his dumb girlfriend, where he's taking photos on Instagram all day. He's talking about video games. He's trying to make people laugh when really you could just tell he doesn't love football. And oh, by the way, now he's injured all the time. Everyone was pumping him up like, man, he's a great blocker on third down. It was like, yeah, I can find almost anybody to do that for me at, at a certain level. I don't need an all pro third and long blocking back that I took in the high second round. So when they cut carry on, I just love Jamar Jefferson even more, like more young blood, more guys that can actually make plays. Just give him the football and let's go. Yeah, you have to love it. The direction that the Lions are heading in. Can we say the same thing about corner, though? You, you got to go cheap on running backs. And when you're talking about corners, like I'm still bummed about Dunbar. Like uh, he just, I had some high expectations that he's going to come in here. Maybe the two, the three, even the four, whatever it is. 
he had some family personal issues, whatever it may be. He got just booted off the roster. Uh, I was I was bummed about that. I mean, Corn Elder hasn't seen the field. You put AJ Parker in the Hall of Fame earlier on the show. We got Roby Coleman who talked a big game, and then he's always come out is get roasted, toasted, and extra crispy out there. And uh, Mr. Okuda still having troubles here and again. Even though I'm a big Okuda fan, I think he's going to turn into a really top end type corner, similar to how Slated. He started slow. Everybody didn't know. Next thing you know, he's locked down over there. I think you might see the same for for Okuda. And then my guy A.O. is one of Dan Campbell's favorites, as well as a guy that, I mean, gosh, this guy, he's, he's wearing number 24. I'm going to be repping that jersey this year out of respect for him. I mean, Dan Campbell just loves this guy. Oh, baby! I hope we're saying that after some passes when when 24 is getting his hands on it and making plays. But uh, I don't feel great about the corners after the top two, and I'm, I got some questions about them as well. So we'll see how it shakes out. Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting year because they're both young, but they're both so athletic. I think both Jeff Akuda and Amani Oruwarie both run in the four threes. They're fantastic athletes. And so if they can really put it together, that's going to be very exciting. That slot battle is one that's really interesting, though. So Mike Ford originally had the job. He's completely lost it. He's now the backup at outside corner, which isn't great. It could be a lot worse. And it really does sound like, I, I know I am too high on A.J. Parker, the UDFA, but he's, he's starting in practice and he made plays with the starting defense. So it looks like they're going to go with him instead of, like we said, Mikel Roby Coleman, talker. He talks, he talks, he talks. Whereas <laughs> Corn Elder, we just haven't seen enough of him. He could come back. He could work his way into the starting defense. And if he plays well enough to unseat the UDFA, unseat Mikel Roby Coleman, that's really positive. And then you have three competent guys in the slot the outside is the problem though Mike Ford the backup isn't great until he gets beat out by Fatu Melifuanu he takes the job which would be great as well but he he's a third third round rookie as well so it's 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 tough it's there's a lot of upside these guys could all really turn out and it could come together and be something special but it's a lot of uncertainty and it really scares me I left Iffy off my list. That's bad by me. A quick PFF story for you. So one of the first couple games that I got working on was a Penn State game. And gosh, I fell in love with uh, Mr. AO at that point. He just would big, long corner, long arms. He was always covering the best guy, just be out there and press or, um, you know, just nobody could deal with him. So I just loved his tape the first couple of games I got to watch of him. And then they put me on a team that I shall not speak of. I mean, I, I, I am a go blue fan all day. So, I mean, I had to, I had to watch Mr. Uh, Okuda as well. Hey, listen, Ohio state sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so like, that's always going to be true in my book. There's no question, but Mr. Okuda, number one there, did not. He was same thing. Nobody could run past him, make plays all day. So that's just, uh, that was fun how those two came together, and that's why I was so big on, on AO in the draft because I was like, man, every time I watched him, he was fun in, in college, and he's coming along as a pro. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it does. We we haven't really been making our, our, our cuts per se, but let, let's talk about the safety position. So, to me, I've always supported Tracy Walker. He's let me down. I'm, I don't know where he's at now. He makes some plays. He hasn't gotten any picks since Arizona, like two years ago. Um, 
like I'm just curious where you're at with him and Will Harris as well as I don't even know if we have enough bodies at the position to make cuts. I mean, it's basically Marlowe, Jalen Elliott, and then these guys we've had hanging around running down on kicks. I mean, do we have enough people there to not only make plays but even get rid of anybody? Well, so uh, to start, Tracy Walker can make plays. It just depends on if he will or not. The hope is now that he's not playing in the rocket scientist Matt Patricia's defense, playing less man coverage can actually make those plays read and react and such because that's what he's good at. Will Harris, on the other hand, he's not going to get cut, but he's probably starting. If he gets benched for Dean Marlowe, I'm not shocked. And it's tough. It's not a strong top three that they have there. And then, like you said, the backups are C.J. Moore, Elijah Holder, and Jalen Elliott. They kind of are competing for that fourth and fifth safety role. But, again, those are just kind of no names. The guy's running down on special teams. So they might have to really sign a veteran and kind of move on because, really, the only guys we know are NFL players are Walker, Harris, and Marlowe. After that, like, it's tough. You could you could cut all three. You could keep all three. But it, – it, it's not going to matter too much at the end of the day. You need an upgrade at the safety position, especially if Harris plays like he did against the Steelers. Yeah, there was a lot of talk about how they do. I think Elliott was even mentioned by Dan Campbell in postgame saying he really liked what he did. Uh, Elijah Holder, there's been a few things written about him. But I'm totally with you on that take about Marlowe maybe being that vet that just sort of plugs in and lets Tracy roam. And, I mean, Tracy's got the longest arms in the game. I mean, dude ties his shoes standing up, uh, but he can't get his arms on a football. But Will Harris is, is killing me because he looks the part in the uniform – I like his his interviews and his leadership as well, but I mean, my goodness, he's just been an abomination, not only in coverage, he's only had like one time where they cut him loose and let him get after the quarterback or roam a little bit, and he had a decent game, but every other time, he's three steps behind a guy who's scoring a touchdown on a touchdown pass, so I mean, that's what you saw against Ben Roethlisberger, he was able to manipulate these safeties, make a pump fake, throw the ball high, whatever it may be, and uh, you know, they're putting six points on the board against these guys back there, where I want to see them deflecting balls, getting tip passes, not just making tackles, you know, eight, ten yards down the football field. So I are, are you with me that the Lions would be prone to hopefully maybe scoop up a nice vet? I mean, I would assume a good vet safety is going to get let go. That's kind of where my focus would be if I was Brad Holmes. Oh, absolutely. And you, you know Brad Holmes. He is a competent GM. He did a lot of work over in L.A. He is going to be grinding that waiver wire. He's going to be checking on who gets cut every day. Don't be surprised if he claims a bunch of cast-offs from other teams because he's with the Rams, he was their college guy. He was their scouting guy. So he knows these young players. Don't be surprised if at safety, let's say someone from the Cowboys is cut. Uh, now that they have Malik Hooker, who looks like he could be the starter. One of these safety rooms where there's just too many guys, there's a chance that the Lions put in a claim for them, especially on the offensive line as well, build up some depth there. Brad Holmes is just going to be churning that waiver wire. So it remains to be seen who it's going to be, but don't be surprised when more competitions brought in. All right. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what he does. I mean, I I'm with you on that point, but I, 
I've I've noted mentally that he hasn't made very many moves, to be honest. He's been much more of a GM that wants to see the guys he's brought in, let it play out, rather than every other day if a guy doesn't have a good practice or he's a little dinged, you're cutting him loose or getting rid of, you know, I, I'd like to see him hang on to draft picks for a year or two and, and see what they can do, you know, instead of burning, you know, fourth, fifth round picks and getting rid of them as, as the previous regime did, as well as we'll see if he picks up people. They've got about... If my numbers are correct, about 18-some million kind of sitting around doing a bunch of nothing right now or got some cap space next year. So, you know, that might be a spot. Receiver might be a spot. We talked about corner might be a spot. I think we're good at the O-line and tight end. You know, maybe a serviceable two tight end comes out and then you push Fells down to three and you feel a little bit better about that position. So I'm curious to see what he'll do because I think he is a good talent evaluator, a good GM in general, but... He hasn't really shown those chops after the big trade as well as his draft class. He just sort of let it roll right now, which I'm cool with. You don't have to be changing the bottom of the roster every other day. Um, I'm good with that. So, Jack, let's uh, let's do a couple more, and then we'll get up out of here. So I just hinted on the tight ends. I mean, I don't know where Hunter Bryant went, but I was excited when they scooped him up as undrafted. I know he got hurt and he was cut, but he was brought back. But he he may be completely gone because there's been no talk about him. He hasn't been on the practice field from what I've seen. He's on IR already. He's done for the year, unfortunately. Done. They did put him for the year. Dang, see, because when they injured him and then he cleared waivers, he came back, and I was hoping he could get right and go. But um, it doesn't surprise me that he's done. You know, Elise Mack is, showed some things, but for some reason he's yoked up, but he can't block anyone. Um, you got Wright, the kid out of Notre Dame. I mean – to me, there's nobody there exciting. You're just going to go with Hawk, the veteran Fells, and hope that he can get you a few plays here or there, a few chain movers, a few touchdowns. But here's the thing. None of these guys can be any worse than the guy that they call the outlaw, Jesse James, who was stealing money. He was holding up the Detroit Lions for years, making $6, 7000000 million for, gosh, the guy was a an overvalued paperweight in pads, if you ask me. Yeah, he may go down as the worst signing of the Patricia Holmes era, or not, the Patricia Quinn era. It was the worst. Him and T's Tabor draft pick, the worst. Yeah, those were both terrible. And I, I think you're right. I think for bang for your buck, you're going to be getting way more out of whichever guy you pick, Elise Mack or Brock Wright. Both former Notre Dame uh, fighting Irish, right? 6'5", 259. So he has an extra inch and an extra 10 pounds on Mac, even though he's two, he came out two years later. Mac more of a receiving threat, though, at Notre Dame. 7'16 yards and four TDs on 68 grabs in three seasons. Whereas Wright, he played four years, only had seven receptions for 78 yards. So he's shown more of that ability in the preseason so far, had a nice grab or two. But remains to be seen what he can actually offer but like you said max not the strongest blocker so do they keep right because he's bigger or do they just scratch that entirely and pick up a guy like josh oliver when the ravens cut him or someone someone of that mold where he's a solid third tight end that a team just might not have room for there you go. I like it. I'm I'm just a big depth guy. I feel like you can't just roll in with Hawkinson and a bunch of nobodies and think that 
you know, you're going to get by for the year. This guy can't play every snap. He's probably going to have some dings here or there. You, you always want to have two and maybe a third guy with some upside or something at, at most spots if possible. I know it's a numbers game and whatever, but it's another spot. I just feel like, yeah, if Hawkinson balls out, stays completely healthy, and you use him at his highest level, could be great. But he goes down. It's going to be real nasty at the tight end position, so we'll see what happens. Let's finish it out with the res- with the position everybody loves to talk about here in Detroit and across the media group when you're talking about the Lions, and that's wide receiver. I mean, I get it. It's a passing league. Everybody's like, "Oh man, you got to have playmakers." It's how do they? How are they ever going to get by with no receivers? I mean, to me. Even in fantasy football, I'm always like, man, I can find receivers way down the draft board because there's so many of them and there's so many guys that can, you know, overperform. If you find the right guys that can separate, that have speed, you can scheme up plays for certain guys that even aren't that good. But if you know what you're doing on offense, you can get them open down the football field. So... I'm not too worried about it. I mean, I feel like McKinley has made a few plays. Undrafted kid has some upside. Kind of a guy like I hinted on it earlier that everyone loves Kareef, Khalif Raymond. You had him in the starting lineup there on the other side. He's wearing Marvin Jones' number 11. I've seen nothing from this guy other than a bunch of practice reports saying that he's doing some things. And then, you know, Mr. Kennedy. I mean, this guy is a guy that looks like a little slot slot weapon to me. He's a little ball of uh, muscle. He's making plays, running after the catch. I mean, I don't know that I want to see Danny Amendola reincarnated here in, the, in that mold, but I'm saying Tommy Kennedy has shown me a couple things, and to me, if he, if he comes in there at 4 or 5, whatever it may be, Tyrell, I'm really hoping Perriman makes it. St. Brown, I think, is going to be a target monster. So we're already down to 4-5 at that point. Kennedy slots in there and is just gritty and grimy. I don't mind it. So it, it's it's not going to be great, but I, I think it might overperform here at the receiver position. What do you think? Well, people seem to forget that Tyrell Williams does have a 1,000-yard reception or receiving season on his resume. He's, the guy's yes. not a slouch. He's probably not the ideal wide receiver one. But he's definitely a starter. And I want to make things clear. I'm not a Khalif Raymond champion. I'm just reading the practice reports that he's the other starter because Prashad Perriman isn't the starter. That's all I'm saying. So what about Quintez? On another team, maybe he gets cut, but he's taken $2 million with him, even if the Lions do move on from him. So I think he makes the team no matter what because of that guaranteed money. We'll see about that. But that puts us at a top four of Tyrell. Khalif Raymond, Amon Ross, St. Brown, obviously that slot PPR monster. Paraman, those are our top four. Then we kind of had that Quintez Seafest versus Tom Kennedy. 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 (laughs) And then uh, outside, we've got Javon McKinley versus Sage Surratt kind of battling as the big receiver. I'm not shocked if Seafest and Tom Kennedy both make it. They end up keeping six receivers, but I'm also not shocked if they end up keeping McKinley as well. I think the main thing, though, is outside looking in, there's no way Damian Ratley, Geronimo Allison, or Victor Bolden make this roster, which is a shame because I was hyped about Victor Bolden after all those practice reports. All right, so, so real quick, a couple things. I got a hot take off the get-go. I, I'm a Quintez Cephas guy, I swear. He, he's, he's big. He was like the star of training camp last year. When he was on the football field, he made plays. Yet you got him at 4-5 on the receiver depth chart. He could slide in there at 2 or 3. Uh, you know, oh, considering he could. that he, same he definitely could. It's just 
Will he? He's a slot. He's, he's a still slot. up in the air. I, I think he, he might surprise this year if they if they use him. I mean, again, had some injuries, kind of a lo- lower level camp, but this is a guy on this type of team that I think could overperform. He also wrote off Victor Bolden. He's been talked a lot about being Mr. Separation getting open. I mean, these undrafted guys, McKinley, Sage Sherratt, you know, Geronimo Allison still hanging around the roster. Like I if I had to say right now, I think Tyrell Cephas, St. Brown are my top three. Perriman is a question mark now, but he's going to be four for me with two upside on this type of team. And then at the bottom of the roster, I mean, gosh, because I don't know about the practice squad guys and and I think I could sneak them through, I might go with uh, Kennedy and Bolden as my my. Oh, no, I'll, I'll put Raymond in there. So maybe Kennedy and Raymond and try to get Bolden, McKinley, Surratt, you know, any of those guys on the practice squad if you can. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with any of that. I've just been hearing Victor Bolden as soon as the pads came on. He couldn't separate at all anymore. And it, it just broke my heart because I was very hyped about him. And I, I like Quintez Cephas. He could very well be the two. I'm just reading the practice reports that it's Raymond for now. But He's a baller. He's a grinder. Cephas is just that guy where when he gets a chance, he's going to make a play. So there's no way they cut him. It's just a question of that Tom Kennedy, Javon McKinley, Sage Sorotin. I think it's a fun battle, but I think it does go to the lacrosse player, Kennedy. Exactly. We'll, we'll wait to see what they do. We're not saying this is a Hall of Fame group, a top group. What we're saying that if the rest of the guys play well in the trenches on offense and defense, I think you can get away with moving chains, Jared Goff throwing on time, maybe some deep balls, and be better than expected is what I would kind of say for the Lions wideouts here at this point. It will be some tough cuts across the board, but like I say, that's why it's really intriguing. I'm glad we dove kind of deep into it because a lot of little things for fans and people to think about because they're going to have to cut a ton of guys after this third game and before we get rolling. So we'll see how this roster shakes out. Jack, I want to do one other quick thing before we go, and that's talk about Dan Campbell, Dan freaking Campbell. Like, what do you think about him on the sidelines? Like, to me, I've been looking for a little bit more. I did see him get in after a referee. Yeah, you don't have to be running and screaming, but I was hoping for a little more juice, not only from the team, but from Dan Campbell on the sidelines. I feel like his coaches are real fiery at practice, but they're taking that very calm, stoic approach on game day, which I was hoping not to see. So have you been okay with it? Do you want more from them? Is it all like what they do against San Francisco? Where are you at with all the coaches and and the player mojo here so far? Honestly, I've been pretty impressed with how he's composed himself on the sidelines. And he, he definitely could crank it up a notch. But at the same time, you don't want to be obnoxious. You don't want to be Rex Ryan on the sidelines. You don't want to be Rob Ryan on the sidelines. You have to toe that line. And I think Campbell's done a pretty good job of that. He's been more the dude abides rather than the two venties with two shots in each of them that he talks about in the press conferences. And I think that's going to serve them well in the <laughs> long term because the worst thing you can have is if, if you've played sports growing up, having some jerk of a coach get up in your face when you know you made a mistake. Instead, it kind of seems like he's letting his coaches coach. He's leaving it to them. He's not getting up in the players' faces and screaming at them. He's he's taking a more measured approach than I really expected. And I think that combined with the energy he brings to the practice field, combined with the trust that he's building with these players, I think in the long run, it really is going to serve him well. 
even if it would be fun to see him getting all animated on the sidelines. All right, that that's a good take by you. I mean, I guess where I'm at with it is like if they get rolling again early in the season and guys are scoring touchdowns or his D is making plays, I love to see him out on the field giving some high fives, maybe a random chest bump every now and again. Yeah, he doesn't have to be going crazy, but this team needs to play with a lot more swagger and a lot more energy on game day, which they say they're bringing Ooh, yeah. to the practice field, and I just haven't seen it. So there's that. Now, Jack, I want to put you to the test. You brought up the the, the double ventes twice. You also talked about the two shots. Can you do the sound effect as well? Oh, what's what's the sound effect here? Well, I mean, you got the two ventes, and then you go with the shot and both. Oh, <laughs> I mean, it was all over Good Morning Football. <laughs> I mean, you got to get down with that if you're going to bring that up multiple times on the show. I mean, it's it's the double shot. <laughs> I, I will Damn. work on my uh, my sound effects. <laughs> I'll work on it. I'll work on it. All right. Workshop that. But Dan Campbell is something at the podium. And I just want to see that translate. And here's the last thing I want to say. Dan Campbell, if you want to be stoic, if you want to be hyped, if you want to yell at people, if you want to laugh, if you want your coaches to be crazy, if you want them to be very calculated on game day, I don't care. What I want is wins. <laughs> I want you to find a way to out-strategize, out-think, out-perform the other team on game day more often than not. We're going to give you a little bit of a pass here early, but we all want W's from this team. However you got to get them, if you got to bite a kneecap, if you got to get a third vente, we don't care. We want wins because we B-L-E-A-V and the Lions will talk for me, the one pride out there, Lions fan base, as well as all the diehards that I know love this football team. So, Jack, I mean, we went about an hour here having you on the show. Me and you just chatted right before we hit the old red button and recorded. I mean, I thought this was tremendous. I thought you absolutely killed it. What a great time. So glad you came on. That was tremendous. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's truly been an honor to talk about how much I believe in the Lions, and that is B-L-E-A-V, in the Lions. So thank you so much for having me. You can find me everywhere at Javanaugh87. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Twitch. And then go check out my work over on importantnonsense.com as well. Absolutely. Everybody go check him out. Give him a follow. Check out his content. I mean... You know, I we're we're just gonna have to bring Jack back on the show. I mean, we'll talk offline. We're gonna have to see what we can make happen. Maybe we can sign a deal, get him back, uh, see what happens here on Believe in Lions. But did absolutely tremendous, doing great work at Pro Football Focus, and brought some really strong, good opinions, knowledge, stats. Brought it all today, and we had a fun show. So everybody. Uh, keep believing in the Lions. We are like a week and a half away from real football. Cannot wait for it. So everybody, thank you so much. We'll catch you next Thursday right here on Believe. B-L-E-A-V and Lions. Take care, everybody. We're out. I believe, I believe, I believe. I love the Lions. Say it with me. I love the Lions. I believe, I believe, I believe. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.